the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, indeed. With my engineer. Chad said, you know, you don't introduce yourself when you open the podcast. You just talk glowingly about your co-host, the Baron, which I do. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank well, you. deservedly, deservedly so. <laughs> People, I tell you what. Okay, I'm Sebastian Gorka. Yes, you Damn are. Damn it. <laughs> I'm the former strategist to President Trump. I'm a national security wonk. I'm the host of America First on the Salem Radio Network. And my buddy, Boris Epstein, is our regular guest, usually in studio when we're not living in the times of the corona. He's also a former White House official. Oh, I never said we were... White House officials. That sounds really fancy, doesn't it? We, we had lunch. We had breakfast in the White House mess. In the, the White mess. House mess. One of the greatest perks. I'm not even going to talk about anything to do with the election. I'm just going to talk about the perks of being in the White House. The Navy mess. Not only that, the, the, the best burger I've had is in Amazing. the Navy mess. Incredible. Uh, maybe Incredible. the fact that it comes in a box with you know presidential seals on the napkins and everything kind of makes it taste even better. But then the cappuccinos... And then the machine. The short rib was great too. Oh. The short rib. And I love the soda machine that yes. you, that you can pick whatever flavor. It's one of those computerized soda machines. And there you're you next can. to the Situation Room in the bowels of the West Wing. It's too cool. I'm sorry. Let's get to work. <laughs> I am again, Sebastian Gorka. This is the Battle for 1600. It is our dedicated separate podcast that now every Saturday, in addition to the audio on iTunes and Stitch and everywhere else, we are posting the video on Saturday. Explosively popular. People love to listen to this podcast. And the word they always use, Boris, former special assistant to President Trump, member of the advisory campaign, the advisory board of the Trump 2020 campaign, is they always use the fact they say they love the banter, Boris. Well, how could they not, right? I mean, how could they not? Yeah. It's a different flavor, right? We, we get it. We get, you know, 40, 50 minutes, no commercials, and it's just, what is it? It's unbridled, unfiltered Boris and Gorka. And it's a good time. It's right? a good we time. have a good time. We talk a lot about politics. We talk a lot about current events. We talk about the future. But then we also talk about fun. Now, listen. We don't want to shortchange our listeners and our viewers. Do you remember what we promised them a week ago? Oh, my gosh, we did. We promised them something. Boris, did. what did we promise them? We promised that I would talk about my scotch trip yes, to Scotland. Yes, to Scotland with your family, yes, right? Yes, my parents, yes. You so went gonna... to visit the distilleries, didn't you? I, it, was, it was a trip of a lifetime. It was a trip I wanted to take for a very long time. Um, and it was me and my parents, uh, Anna and Sasha. We had a Does your dad drink single malt? 
does my he does, dad does now, right? But no, now. no, no, no. To, to ask whether my dad drinks single malt <laughs> that would be so like to ask, does Donald Trump win? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get it. I, okay, the what's answers, his favorite tip? What's his favorite answer, single malt? So, uh, so he, uh, my dad and I both are huge fans of Balvini, mm-hmm. big fans of Lagavulin from Islay. And then big fans of a very small distillery, the smallest distillery in Scotland, which is called Edredor, mm-hmm. uh, a distillery that is that is uh, sort of an anachronism. It, it's an old style. They're, they're, they don't use. You know, they're not fancy. They're not open owned by Diageo or any of these huge giants. They they still use the old style method. So you know, we had planned on it for a while. Finally, last year we did it. We went to. Was it as good as you expected? Better. It really? was an amazing trip. We first went to London, stayed at Claridge's, which oh, is, you know, as, as, nice. right? As, as, as sort of old world. Did you go uh, shopping at Harrods, Boris? Did you go to Harrods? <laughs> My mom went to Harrods. Of course I, she went to I, Harrods. I, I drank and smoked cigars. Um, and then, and then we took a, took a plane from Heathrow to Aberdeen, and there we were. And we went Scotland's to, beautiful, isn't it? S- Scotland, to those of you who like to travel, who want to visit a place that maybe is not as often traveled, mm-hmm. I recommend Scotland 100% of the time. It is beautiful. <laughs> Can I tell you a story sure. about Scotland, about yes, my parents? of course. So my parents, as you know, escaped communist Hungary in the Revolution of 56. My dad was 26 years old. He'd be given a life sentence at the age of 20. Two years down in prison coal mine, two years in solitary, and then he was liberated from the political prison in Budapest by the revolutionaries. A buddy of his in, in uh, prison, a slightly older guy, Said to him three years earlier when Stalin died and they could tell maybe, who knows, something will change. He said to my dad, who was 23, if you ever get out of this prison, you've got to take my daughter to freedom. And my dad thought he was going to die in prison. So I said, yes, sure, George, whatever. Three years later, he's liberated by the revolutionaries. He remembers his promise to George, walks across Budapest during the revolution, knocks on the door of George's family house, says, I'm Paul Gorka. I have to leave the country right now. I'm going to shoot to kill list. Where's... George's daughter. So 17-year-old girl accompanies my father under a train to the western border. Under a train? How is that possible? You hang on underneath in in the gear, right? You literally hang You're literally hanging into the machinery of the of the train. Goodness gracious. Get to the western border. There's a minefield between Austria and Hungary. My father gives his literally his last Penny and his f- f- dead father's golden fob watch to the local farmer who shows them the path across the minefield. They have no money. They trip a flare, but they finally get across into Austria before the, the shooting begins in a refugee camp for weeks, on and on and on. So that, that's my family background. They end up in the UK. They get married. The 26-year-old and the 17-year-old. That's my story. That's how I'm born and raised in the UK. So my parents are penny, penniless refugees. The Brits... God bless them. Look after them. My dad is put through college. My mom goes through college, is housed by a British family. My dad gets a job with the Admiralty. Everything's hunky-dory. But, but you know, they have to learn. They, they didn't speak any English. They have no money. So it was, it, was, it was tough. One of the first holidays they ever had in the UK, when they'd scraped a little bit of money together, was, well, we don't have money to go abroad. We'll go to Scotland. Yeah, Scotland. <laughs> and I just want to illustrate, I think it's better now. But the relations between the English and the, oh. and the Scottish. <laughs> no joke. Oh, no back joke. Back then. So, back then. So they went all the way up north. They went to uh, Fort William, Fort Port Augustus, Loch Ness, you name it. 
And they stop at the first place, a little B&B. And my mother, because she'd arrived so young, she really became English. She, she learned beautiful. She, she spoke seven languages, learned perfect English, worked for the BBC. So she's the one that you know, goes into the reception to ask if they've if got a room in perfect English. Right. <laughs> and they said, oh, oh, my dear, sorry, we're fully booked. And there's no cars in the parking lot, nothing. There's no, nobody there. And my parents kind of disconsolate and sad that they have to find somewhere else. And as they're leaving the reception, they start talking to each other in Hungarian because my dad was still learning. And the reception goes, oh, you're not English then. Oh, of course we've got a room for you. And I mean, that was the no love lost between the English and the Scottish. I'll tell you, that's, I, first of all, I love that story and the heroism of your parents and your dad and your mom. That is a wonderful, wonderful story. Thank you for sharing. I'd heard parts of it, but not as beautifully as you just laid it out in full. I'll tell you, even still, we went to the distilleries, and you have some old-time, you know, Scottish old school, old school people, and they're telling the stories, and they go, "Yeah, this." <laughs> I'm not going to attempt to do the accent, but something like, "Oh, this is the bad, this is the bad liquor. We're sending this to the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> we keep the good stuff for the foreigners." Was, I'll tell you, it was a trip of a lifetime. We were started sort of in the Highlands, and we stayed at this place called the Kragaliki, which is an old school inn by the McAllen, Glen Fittich, Glen Livid, Balvini distilleries. It was everything you would want. Anybody who can go. You recommend go. it. I recommend it. Go visit the Highlands, visit Edradour in the Lowlands, and then you could end up uh, right there in Edinburgh, which is, I think, one of the most underrated cities in Europe is Edinburgh. Um, Beautiful you know, and historic Victorian the, the architecture. The new city, let's put it this way, the new, <laughs> the city, new city is from the 1700s. Right, you know, right. So it's beautiful. There's, there's a street called Rose Street where when the world is normal, you can sit out. And I had, I, I, I've got pictures. You sit out. I sat out with my dad. We drank some, a couple of drums of scotch and then uh, smoked cigars. And life's good. So to those of you listening, go if you can – Go to Scotland, check out the distilleries. My top three to go to would be Glenfiddich, Aberlore, and Edradour. Those are the ones. And if you can get to Islay, which is the smoke, where the smoky scotch from the peaty scotch, check out Lagavulin. And if you like pe- I don't drink anymore. I, ha- I haven't touched a drop since my parents passed, but my favorite. It's a little bit too peaty, I think, for Boris, but my favorite single malt is, of course, the Glenmorangie. Not oh, Glenmorangie. Awesome. Glen Morangi, and in certain bars in Scotland, if you pronounce it right, you'll get a double shot for the price of one. Check the cask strength version and also the port cask. They actually age the single malt in original barrels that were used for port dessert wine. Love that. Oh, so good. So well, you don't drink at all? No, no, no. My parents passed in 2003, and it was a tough year for me, so we broke up. Uh, we, um, My wife and I decided. Um, very soon after they passed, that we uh, we would give up booze together, and we did, and I haven't had any since. So I don't I don't miss it, but now and again, you know, the smell of a good glass of port is very very. I pleasant. will tell you something, and and we'll then go on to the news, and, and <laughs> then we'll and do some work, and then do some, we'll do some work. We'll give the folks what they came for, but. You know, you you run contrary to one of my favorite sayings. What? Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin used to say that they feel bad for those who don't drink because when they wake up in the morning, it's as good as they're going to feel all day long. <laughs> but you're one of the happier, you know, most successful guys I know. So, hey, you're contrary all to right. And you know who else doesn't drink? The President the of the United President States. The President of the United States. Well, you, you, bring it out, you bring it out of me. We always have so <laughs> much fun, it. Boris, so much fun. Okay, so uh, you reminded me of something, if I may. I haven't done sure. this. Ever. What is this? Six, episode six? 17. 
I can always rely on him. Episode 17. I don't think I've mentioned it once, maybe in the beginning. So life is getting back to normal as yes. we record this, even in uh, D.C., in Virginia. Businesses are opening. I can't wait to get a haircut. Um, so what about travel? You've just heard this incredible story of Boris, his parents, the distilleries in Scotland. We have an incredible, and I hope Boris will come with us. We have the trip of a yes. lifetime. December this year. So it's a ways away. You want to get out of the house. You want to see the world, and with Mike Lindell, the incredible Mike Lindell, Mr. My Pillow, the gentleman you saw talking in the Rose Garden a few weeks ago so eloquently about his faith, how God saved him, this man who is dedicating 75% of his factory output to making first responder marks, masks. Um, Mike Lindell is coming with us for our Stand with Israel tour. It is the trip of a lifetime. We'll have incredible guides. I'll be there. Mike will be there. Maybe the Baron will join us. We're going to see the sights. Literally, if you've never been to the Holy Land, we're going to go to the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus walked. We're going to go to the ancient city of Jerusalem, to the Wailing Wall, the most historic sites in Judeo-Christian civilization. You want to be a part of it. Life isn't about accumulating stuff. It's about, it's about experiences with people you love. So go to my website, sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, sebgorka.com, and go to the Stand With Israel Tour tab. Register today. Don't worry. You know, you've got a full refund until August 16th if you change your mind. But right now, Israel Today is already announcing its reopening to uh, international tourism uh, very, very soon. Uh, this is a trip of a lifetime. Do it today. Go to sebgorka.com, click on the Stand with Israel banner. Thank you for, for reminding me, Boris, of, of, of course. that. And I've, and I've been to the Holy Land. I've spent time at the sites. Uh, it is an experience that you will never forget, yes. and it is unparalleled. I, you know, I am not overly re- religious, getting more so as 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 I get older and more wise. Uh, but I, and I, and I, you know, as that, you have kids, that's what as happens. You have kids, right? And but I, you know, even five six years ago, when I was I was there six years ago last, wow, uh, because an election started and and, and and then we got a little busy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there in 2014, in the spring of 2014, and. Uh, I was in Jerusalem on a Friday as Shabbos Shabbat started, Shabbat started, and the sun was setting over the Golden Dome. And I'll tell you, there's absolutely no feeling like that one. It was a sunny, beautiful day in Jerusalem, and you feel that holiness around you. Uh, you feel something so special. So if anybody who has an opportunity to go, I would urge you to do so. And I think that's, uh, th- that, that's going to be a wonderful trip, and I hope to join. Thank you, Boris. Sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, Sebgorka.com. Click on the Stand with Israel banner. Mike Lindell, Dr. G, and maybe the Baron. Um, So let's get to work. Uh, Non-stop news cycle right now. Uh, Just a week ago, we were talking about the incredible bigotry, the racism of the president. Um, He's not the nominee. He's the presumptive nominee for the Democrats. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, who said, if if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. I mean, that is the definition of bigotry. That seems to have been swept away by the violence on the streets of Minneapolis. A hundred and seventy businesses destroyed over a billion dollars worth of damage. The uh, the guard has been deployed. Frightening images. Uh, we see 
Just for me, the most striking thing uh, beyond the, the crime itself of what happened to Floyd and what happened during the rioting, Boris, is just the utter lack of leadership locally and especially this mayor, Boris. So let's start first at George Floyd. That was a, from everything we've seen, every video, every angle, that was a terrible, terrible uh, event. It, it it was a, 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 a seemingly a murder of an innocent person in George Floyd. Our hearts break for him and his family. Uh, and now, actually, just announced the last few minutes, the officer, the the former police officer, the fired police officer Chauvin, has been taken into custody. And which arrested. is which? Which again, I don't understand that they fire them, and they don't arrest them till Friday. Why don't you arrest him first? Well, that's so a, weird, right? That. So weird and so weak, right? Yes. So this is so you, you already saw uh, Potato Head Stelter oh. trying to put this on the president. This is the president came out quickly, swiftly, and said this was terrible. We we're going to investigate. The DOJ is investigating the the riots, and they are riots. Ali Velshi, they're not. They're not protests, right? They're, they're we, riots. We have NBC say we will not be using the word. Protest. We will not be using the word riot. riot. We'll be using the word protest. Uh, uh, right. Hundred and seventy businesses destroyed, Boris. Well, tell that to my uh, a very good friend of my family, my uh, my wife's family, and my family, Phil Coach. Uh, they own Hennepin Lake Liquors, which is a mainstay for forty years, a, a great small business uh, in Minneapolis, and they've been broken into twice already, uh, and the business is damaged terribly. Uh, and if you, you tell it to, to Phil, who's a good friend of mine, that this is a peaceful protest, that is absolute and utter right. bullshit. Right. Okay, no. and I'm not afraid to say it. And no. I, I, I was about to drop the, another uh, word before. Have you the seen word that bullshit. video? Have you seen that video from I think it's CNN where where the the reporters saying, and this is mostly peaceful, and there there's no, a it's, b- Al, no, it's Ali Velshi on oh, MSNBC, so, oh, and then and then there's a building burning bur- behind him. Right, I tweet. You know what I tweet? I said, "Otherwise, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? How was right? the play? Right. How was that's the what. Play? That's what this is. If Ali Velshi was around in 1865 and reporting for, you know, the Daily Mirror, or whatever the newspaper, did you like the, the play? Right. Yeah, he would have written something, something to, to the effect of, "This was mostly a play, and something else happened." Yes. Okay. It, it's this uh, the way that the leftist media is covered is disgusting. But let's let, let's go to the crux of the matter. What should have happened here is leadership from the city of Minneapolis leadership from the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, and leadership from the Minneapolis Police Department. Exactly. Why is the police officer getting arrested five days later? Why was he arrested three, four days ago? It is absolutely terrible, and all this destruction is now on their hands. And now you have the the mayor absolutely feckless, absolutely abdicating all of his duties. He was yesterday. He gave a press conference at one thirty in the morning. He couldn't answer what his plan was. But what he did say is, "Oh yeah, I had the police pull out of the third precinct of Minneapolis." And, uh, and 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 did you see what his Twitter feed says? What his qualifications are for mayor? Of course, he's a community organizer. Community organizer. <laughs> that sounds like somebody we know, right? Yeah. So so the idea that you withdraw the police. And they ransack. I, I haven't seen the reports. If this is a police station, Boris, um, they usually store guns at police stations. Right. Where are those guns now when they said withdraw and the whole place was ransacked? Have they willingly handed over those weapons because they said withdraw from that police station? 
that's that's a question that absolutely has to be asked. So where do we go from here? We've got people looting. We've got people um, taking 76-inch screen TVs in in the name of justice. How does this? Okay, let's let's put this in the context of the battle for sixteen hundred. Right, you're a former special assistant to the president. You're a campaign hand for many many years, multiple different campaigns. I'm a strategy guy from the White House. We have our platforms today. You as an advisor to the Trump campaign, me with our, my radio show, America First. What does this mean? The big question, because look, the system has to be allowed to do its thing. I don't want to call anybody a murderer. I wasn't there. I don't trust videos. I want the guy charged. I want him arraigned. I want a jury. And I want him to be deemed guilty or or, or innocent by his peers. And if he's guilty... Fry him. I don't care if he if there are extenuating circumstances. We now find out that both Floyd and and the officer worked together as private security in a club for years and years and years. Who knows? But let the system do its work. Looting doesn't bring justice to anybody, especially Floyd's loved ones. So let's let's draw back. What does this mean for? 157 days from now is this just a continuation boris of the we're going to use identity politics on the left whenever we can never let a crisis go to go to waste nancy literally said that three days ago or is it bigger than that does this have lasting impact in your estimation as somebody who's been right at the front of, of political campaigns for years it should be bigger than that in terms of using identity politics, yeah, you have idiots like Don Lemon saying, yeah. "Oh, this is because of Trump." Well, what did they say in '14 in Ferguson when there was when there was rioting, or the Freddie Gray riots of 2015, right. in which, by the way, President Barack Obama called those looting and rioting thugs. Thugs. So, you know, the, the narrative that that the racial tensions in this country are somehow because of this president is ludicrous on its face, because the racial tensions got to the their boiling point under Barack Obama. Correct. So there's and there's no two ways about it. And he and he did nothing. He did nothing to calm those tensions. And in times, you remember the issue in Boston with the professor, and then you had the beer the summit. The beer summit. They, he riled up those tensions what, what did he call, What did he call the Cambridge police? Did he say they were dumb, they were stupid? What did the Obamas say? He definitely, he definitely denigrated the police. There's, right. no, there's no two ways about it. So, you know, this, this attempt to play racial politics, it, it, it's not going to work. It's obvious on its face. It, and, and really, it's cynical. But, we, you know, we know that's what CNN and that's what the liberals do. But let's draw back. Look at look at Jacob Fry. Totally feckless. Has absolutely no credentials. I, I, I don't to be do mayor. I don't do this usually, but but this is our podcast, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to use the video on the show today. Do it. He's he's just a bloody pajama boy. He's a spineless pajama. He, he is the quintessence of a pajama boy. He's just a weakling. He's a weakling. You know, and, and, and you could see it when he speaks. You could see it in his lack of leadership. You could see it in him having the police pull out of their own precinct and potentially leave, definitely leave supplies behind. Whether they left firearms, tough to know. We didn't see him carrying those firearms out. So what happened to all that? What happened to the ammunition, right? So uh, you have somebody like that who's a typical New Age liberal, right? right. Typical radical far-left, sort of quasi-millennial New Age liberal. You have another spineless leader in Bill de Blasio, the anti-Semite in New York. And New York is the one of the, if not, I believe, the worst 
hit city by the coronavirus in the world. Yes, correct. So definitely the worst large city, definitely the worst, the worst major city, because Bill de Blasio is a totally feckless, pathetic leader. And he's he trying to use this crisis to go after religious institutions and specifically go after the Jewish community who he singled out. You look at Governor Cuomo pushing pushing uh, people who have gotten the coronavirus back into nursing homes and now he's trying to swim around that, that fact that he's got blood on his hands. Governor, He's Whitmer, trying to blame the people working in those nursing homes, Boris. It's an outrage. It's disgusting. Exactly. You've got... Uh, you've got um, uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan, who is a who is a disaster, whose husband is asking for for preferential treatment for his boat while she's trying to prevent don't, people from planting uh, planting seeds in their yard. So don't you, look, you know who my wife is? Don't you know she's so important? Yeah. She's been she's only behind Stacey Abrams and how loudly she's begging to be the vice presidential nominee for the one, the only sleepy sleepy Joe Biden, <laughs> sleepy tired, sleepy creepy, confused, sleepy creepy, confused creepy Joe Biden. It's so. What what picture am I painting? I'm painting a picture of complete ineptitude by the left, and that's what it is. These people who get elected on things like the Green New Deal, on things like social justice, on you know these you know, globalism, on absolutely inane ideas that have been proven not to work. Socialism and communism has been proven not to work. Karl Marx was actually a pretty smart guy. You know, he, he was he was he you know he was educated. He was worldly. He you know he could write and read pretty well. And he came up with this theory. And guess what? It absolutely failed. Okay. Oh, you know, hang on, hang on. Let's let's be fair here. It only failed in forty of the forty countries it was trying to. <laughs> right. So it has not the four hundred ninety-six or whatever there is right, today. Right. right. So they haven't tried it everywhere. But but, but everywhere it, they did try it, but it failed. It, Exactly. From Asia to, to South America, it's failed. Yeah. And everywhere in between. Okay? It has absolutely failed. And what I'm saying to you is, you know, yes, somebody who's erudite and, and, and learned and got, went to, uh, you know, got a good education. And has she, issues with his parents. Exactly. He did. I'm sorry. Karl Marx had big issues with his parents. Yeah, Karl Marx was a disaster. You know, he was a disaster. But I think it's tough to argue he wasn't book smart. He just... His book smart, you know, his book smarts translated into this theory that doesn't work. I could all, you know, anybody can come up with, with a theory, but when it's when it's put into practice, it doesn't work. Communism and its little little sister socialism just do not work. And let's be honest and call Jacob Fry and Bill De Blasio and and Cuomo and Governor Whitmer and the current. He's version. punching his palm there. Can you hear Boris? Can you hear that? Yeah, I'm fired up. And the Kahem and the and the current version of Sleepy. Confused Joe, creepy Joe Biden, 32.0, is they're socialists. That's what they are. They're not. They're not pragmatists. They're not middle of the road. They're not uh, Tip O'Neill. You know. No, they're radicals. They're They're not even Bill Clinton of the 90s. No, no, I, I, I detest that man, and I think he is a rapist. But at the end of the day, at least he was a pragmatist politically. He reigned in the loonies. Nobody's reigning in the loonies. The loonies have taken over. The asylum. They have. Um, Let's talk about one concrete consequence after what was revealed in the last 48 hours. Amy Klobuchar is never going to be a vice president, correct? No. Uh, She's not going to be vice president for for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, unless Joe Biden just 
you know, pulls a rabbit out of a hat and decides, hey, I don't care. But Or whoever, let's put it this way, whoever's pulling the strings on, on what's left of Joe Biden decides it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, a short of that, A, she, she failed to prosecute this the, uh, this police officer, former police officer, has now been arrested, I believe, over a dozen times that there were complaints against him. So that's reason A, she won't be vice president. And reason B is Democrats are playing racial politics. So she's, know, think- she's the wrong she's the wrong race. She's the wrong race for what Joe Biden's looking for. Did you read this story? Eric just told me about it. <laughs> Some, I think a CNN, CNN analyst who said if they really want to cover all their bases and they need somebody who's, who's, who's a kind of individual, they, they still got to go with Liz Warren. I thought it was a parody. Somebody actually wrote that at CNN. Liz Warren is going to cover the bases for them. Oh, yeah, of course. Liz Warren. She's, oh, sorry, Politico. Uh, yeah. Politico, thank yeah, you. Yeah, Politico. She's, uh, oh, yeah, she's uh, very diverse. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> diverse in her lies. A, gra- I, uh, a panoply of lies. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a total joke. But and they believe the people- it. But they believe it. Well, that's, that's my question. How can these people, how can these lefties, how can these radical liberals, and how most members of the media, how do they sleep at night? How do they look at themselves in the mirror? Do they, are they that deluded, going back to overeducation? Are they, has academia pumped their brains so full of nonsense that they just don't see what's right in front of their noses? Is that the story? Uh, I always find myself asking that question of, of our guests, of our regular contributors like you, because, uh, look, I, as a human being, if I if I take politics out of it, if I take personal experience out of it, I just cannot cognitively wrap my head around this. I mean, j- just one thing, and we just mentioned it, one thing. The ideology they profess and are trying to ram down the throats of the American people has failed every single time it's been tried. And that's not 10 times. It's not 20 times. It's 40 times. 40 times from 1917 until Cuba, until Venezuela, it has failed and it has resulted in the death of more than 100 million people in just 100 years. That's a million a year. And they think, oh, oh, this time, because we're special, because AOC is a genius, because Bernie Sanders isn't an old school Bolshevik, this time it'll work. And the really frightening thing is what you pointed out. There is no such thing as Joe Biden anymore. Joe Biden does not exist. And I don't mean the fact that he clearly has cognitive issues. And I, God bless James Woods back on Twitter for saying what he did. He has, when, when that racist comment, you ain't black if you're not whiting for, voting for me. When he said that, James Wood, Woods, who has personal experience of dementia in his family, said one of the facts of early onset is that the individual's character is more evident because there's no break there's no cognitive break on their mouth and they let everything out and that's what you're seeing he was a racist back in 1991 when he was the chairman of the committee that tried to affect quote the high-tech lynching of a black conservative called clarence thomas who wanted or had been nominated to be a member of the Supreme Court. That was Joe Biden. Watch right. the video. This isn't new. Anybody who's surprised has been asleep for 40 years. But at the end of the day, the, really, the, the most disturbing thing at all, of all is not when you meet the hardcore radicals, Boris. You, you, you know, your family escaped the former Soviet Union. Of course. You, you know it when you're dealing with the bloodthirsty, hard, hardcore ones like Bernie or AOC. 
But when you meet an empty suit like Biden, who's doing it just to be popular, he could he doesn't. Tomorrow he could be a fascist. The day after that, he could be a Zoroastrian ecology radical. I don't know. As long as he thinks it's what the party or the base wants, he will do it. And that for me, that's not immoral, Boris. That is a moral that is lacking any moral fiber and that i'm sorry is as close as i get to being frightened it is scary and it's scary because of what you laid out that really he's just a sheet in the wind to biden but it's also scary because of what's behind that sheet in the wind right right who are the puppeteers right who are the puppet masters who's going to be pulling the strings who's going to be running the if god forbid Joe Biden wins this election. Who's going to be running our country? Is it Ron Klain, a lifelong loser? Yeah. Who doesn't know, you know, who, who first was was demeaning the importance of the coronavirus and then pretending that he was an expert on it, who messed up the H1N1, uh, who, you know, messed up Ebola? Is that who it's going to be? It's frightening. I mean, who is it? Who is it? Or is it going to be people like Bill de Blasio or Governor? If God forbid, it's Whitmer on the on the ticket. Or, or goodness gracious, what if it's Stacey? What if Stacey Abrams is the VP nominee and she and they somehow get in? Are we looking at a president, Stacey Abrams? Yeah. And and you know, I, I'll tell you this. What I am not the type, and I'm not going to you know, say it now. I'm not the person who said, "Oh, I'm leaving and I'm I'm, I'm moving to Canada." I'm not moving to Canada. We, not, we don't do that. We don't do that. That's that. The snowflakes do that. They can go. What we do is we, you know, we 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 do what Justice Frankfurter said a long time ago, a very famous Supreme Court justice. You know, you, we make our our views known at the ballot. We vote. Yeah. We make we 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 change. Well, not the just that. that we way. we get people out to right. vote. We exactly. Get out right. To vote. Right. We work on. We 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 try to mobilize Americans to act in the best interest of this country. So, but uh, if this, if Stacey, sorry, real quick, if Stacey yeah. Abrams is the president. You're going to see a level of divide in this country Ugh. between people and who value it for its fabric, for what it is, a country of opportunity, versus those who don't really value the, the, the history and the freedom, but are just, are just looking to effectively complain and get ahead by losing, which is what Stacey Abrams has done her whole career. Indeed. Uh, before we get to my last question, the article is from the Politico. It's from... They, they call him a famed Democratic pollster, Stan Greenberg. I've never heard of him, so I'm Oh, he's famous. very... Oh, sure, it's famous. And, yeah. and the, article, the article is, Warren as VP would lead to Biden victory. I mean, these people live in a fantasy land. And uh, Maybe maybe they taught at Harvard together. So the maybe, may, yes, yeah. maybe they picked how up. Much did, how much did she pay... For for that headline, you know, it's like I always ask if you have any headline, if you see any headline about oh China is handling the coronavirus great from NBC or someone like that. I always tweet, how much did the CCP pay you for that headline? That's the question. Kui Bono, who profits and who paid for it? Uh, before we get to my last question, uh, you mentioned that uh, cut uh, of of Obama talking about thugs. Here we have another one. Let's play that cut from the former president. My understanding is, is you've got some of the same organizers now going back into these communities to try to clean up in the aftermath of a handful of protesters, uh, a handful of uh, criminals uh, and thugs who uh, who tore up the place. Criminals and thugs. I guess it's okay for a black former president to say that, but not a white Republican president. 
standards. We're double standards. There's no doubt about it. Speaking of double standards, I mean, we haven't touched on it yet, but what's been happening with Twitter. Well, hang on. That was my last question. Oh. Don't be a bloody mind reader as sorry. usual. Thank sorry. you very much. Mind melt. Okay. Sorry. Mind melt. So big, big, big news. Um, yeah, sure. I don't know if you were there for the, were you there for the social media summit where I had fun in the Rose Garden? No, I was not there when you were almost uh, That would have been Brian fun. Karen. I was out of town, unfortunately. You would have been my yeah. backup, right? I could I, I got your back 100% of the time, my man. You don't have to worry about that. that I know that you, got, and I know you got mine. That, I have. That could have got exciting if you were there. So uh, in that inc- incident with Brian Karem, playboy, White House, White House correspondent, we were there when that guy invited me for a fight in the Rose Garden. Check it out. The video is viral. Um, I was there for the social media summit where the president talked to about – 150 uh, conservative social media uh, individuals, and we had great expectations. It was great to be back with the president, talk behind closed doors, then have that open session um, as well. And we had great expectations. He's going to do something. Well, yesterday, he signed an executive order. Um, Talk to us about the fact that you can have the head of platform integrity at Twitter call the people who work in the White House, quote, actual Nazis, and they're not fact-checked. But when the president says something about mail-in voter fraud, he's fact-checked. And today, his tweet is actually censored by Twitter because he says, if you get violent, if you riot, then we will use force. The National Guard will be deployed, and that is censored by Twitter, which is not a publisher, according to the legislation, as being a glorification of violence. Boris, uh, this isn't just social media. This is politics, and this has a massive potential knock-on effect for the battle for 1600. Absolutely. What Twitter really is doing is they're trying to cut off the president from his direct access to the American people, right. the authenticity that he delivers on Twitter each and every day. And they're doing it in a completely selective fashion. They're not going out there and censoring the Iranian leadership. they barely censoring the, the Chinese leadership. No. When oh, Kathy what? Griffin said, I sure did fuck her, it's a quote on Twitter, and I could say it because it's a quote from Twitter, about advocating for someone to stab the president and with inject him with air. Of full air. She literally said, I sure did, and I'm not going to curse again because my mom may be listening, okay? So that didn't get censored. Well, what about the last four years of Russia conspiracy theories? Who fact-checked that, Boris? Right. Or what about those those who are promoting violence and promoting rioting? So let's just – we could cut through the BS and be honest because that's what we do here on the Battle for 1600. Twitter is trying to donate – and support the Biden campaign. That's what it is. Yes. Let's just call it what it is. And that should be a, a donation in kind. And FEC should investigate. Yeah. The it's Congress a, of a, Matt Gates a, has talked about it's that. It's a contribution in kind. So Absolutely. Um, give me your take as a political professional. What What is the best solution? Because we've had people who are calling for government intervention. I'm not a big fan of that. The idea that a government can decide what's fair and what's not fair. I think the neatest way to do this is what the president's talking about, this 30-day review of the the stipulations of the original statute in which these 
platforms were determined not to be publishers but social fora. And if they're not acting as neutral social fora, they should be liable like every other publisher to the cases brought against them for lack of neutrality and for, for libel and everything else. What, what, you, you are a legal professional as well. So what, what, what makes sense from a conservative and First Amendment perspective? Exactly. First, from the perspective of free speech, First Amendment, you look at the Communications Decency Act of 1996, Section 230 is what gives these protections. And But that is assuming that these online platforms back then in their nascent age, right, 1996 was just the beginning, right. they're not acting as publishers. They're not, they're not discriminating in the content. Twitter so obviously is. So that should be reviewed. All the protections should be reviewed. If Twitter is acting as a publisher, the protections should be lifted. They should not be protected. Any federal money, any federal government uh, contracts, any grants that Twitter enjoys in any way should be reviewed and yanked if they're acting as a partisan for the Democratic Party. Right. And you know what else is interesting? Uh, you know, Twitter is a public company now, but I'd like to know if there are any big chunks of stock or any non-public stock owned by companies that have dealt with China in any yes. way. And, or, and I bet you, I bet you, that if you drill down deep enough, you're going to find a connection. And nobody, everyone knows I'm not a tinfoil hat guy, right? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But there has got to be a reason why Jack, Jack Dorsey, why Twitter is so dead set on opposing this president who's tough on China, and they are for Beijing Biden. And why Google has been so hand-in-glove with the communist regime of China as well. This isn't just about two social media platforms. It's about the most powerful information network in the world. So we need to have those questions answered. Boris, um, we have to end here. We have to get ready for our live show. Uh, final message in, in the, the days that see the reopening of America to all of our listeners? Absolutely. First of all, to any of you who are in Minneapolis, in St. Paul, anywhere where there is unrest and rioting, be safe. Be safe. If you're able to, protect yourself and your property. But if you don't feel safe doing it, make sure you are safe and sound. And call on your police. Call on those who are supposed to be protecting you to protect you. That is their jobs. Don't let your leaders like Mayor Jacob Fry of Minneapolis abdicate their duties. Enforce their absolute job to protect you and yours that's one two as we start reopening enjoy the enjoy the outside enjoy the fresh air enjoy the beginning of the unofficial beginning of summer and enjoy some level of contact with one another because that's what humans need to be in contact in touch with one another follow the guidelines follow what you're getting from the white house follow the updates from the cdc do everything that you're hearing from the trump administration and president trump himself but be happy that we are now seemingly on the tail end of this terrible coronavirus crisis and the economy sure does seem to be snapping back which is great news plato said man is a political beast that's why the 
Battle for 1600 exists. He's also a social animal. It's time to get back to a sense of normalcy. Follow this man on Twitter, Boris EP, breakfastwithboris.com. I'm Sebastian Gorka, former strategist of President Trump. You can check out our show at sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A. Boris is a regular guest. If you like this podcast, you can send us a text. The number is 703-869-1262. That's 703-869-1262. Even better, write us a review on the podcast app that you use and spread the word. God bless you all. Be safe. This has been the Battle for 1600.